Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm your co-host, Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And we're bringing you another exciting episode full of royal news this week. Rachel, what are we talking about today? Well, it's actually turning out to be a pretty packed episode. I think the royals have been quiet, but we have a lot, mainly the fact that the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, is turning 42nd, 42nd, oh my God, is turning 42. And we are toasting with a very special guest, Tariro Mezazewa, who is a writer for many publications that you all know, the New York Times, The Cut. She joined us back, I guess, end of last year to talk about The Crown, and we are delighted to have her back again to discuss this birthday and all the news going on with the Sussexes. It's so crazy to think back to talking to her, and it was The Crown, and it was last fall. You're right. Wow. Which The Crown, I think, season six has got to be upon us soon. I mean, I would ex- I don't want- I wonder I how it'll so. be affected yeah. for the fall. But we have so much more. We're talking about the jewelry debate around Kate, this wonderful kind of story that's bubbled up, the vacation plans. We're seeing some royals like Beatrice popping up. We're going to be talking about it all coming up. And a special This Week in Royal History as well. I love this this week's episode. It's going to be a fun one. And now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. But first, of course, to get through all that, we will cheers with our royal refreshment to Megan and her 42nd birthday. In honor of that, we are flashing back to 2014 when she wrote on her blog, The Tig, that one of her favorite cocktails for summer was called The Tig Cup. She made it up, of course, and it's based on the Pimm's Cup. She said she had a love of all things Brit and wanted to do a twist on the signature Pimm's Cup. So... The TIG cup is cucumber, mint, celery, radish, lime, whatever you have. Fill it in a glass with ice. Put some of that in it. Then you add gin, a splash of maraschino cherry liqueur, tonic, and soda. You mix it up. You pour it over and you add a slice of grapefruit. Sounds delicious. Delicious. So happy birthday. It is. Yes. Megan, it's on Cheers, Friday happy this birthday. week. If anyone deserves a Friday birthday, it's Megan. I know. Friday birthdays are hard to come by, and they're wonderful when the calendar (laughs) works out that way. I want to catch up with you quickly, Roberta, because we got to see each other last week at Palma, your favorite restaurant in the West Village. Favorite of all time on Cornelia Street. It was so lovely. We had pasta. Your dish was definitely better. The Cacio Pepe. I have a rule in my life that if Cacio Pepe is on the menu, I order it. It's like it's actually <laughs> just like my, my only my only rule. <laughs> I love it. And then that weekend, you also went to Beyonce. Hello. Yes, I wanted to chat with you about this. So I got I had the privilege of seeing Beyonce. Thank you, Citibank. They invited me to join. It was fantastic. I had an outfit wardrobe debacle, but I leaned on a look that I forgot I had purchased a Meghan Markle top. This is like, you know, her birthday week. We're just talking all about it. Do you remember in March 2020, it was like their swan song tour and Megan popped up at the National Theater. It was a solo Mm. engagement and she wore that Topshop shirt that was white and had the sheer puff sleeve. The all white outfit. She had a white pencil skirt with it. Oh my God, I love that Do you remember when I bought this? Like I I, I remember the world was shutting down. It was the pandemic. I called like 17 friends. I DM'd Annie Fitzsimmons. I DM'd so many people being like, I need this shirt. And it wasn't available at the Topshop in the US, but they had sizes left in the UK. And magic happened. And as the world was shutting down again, I got this top in the mail. <laughs> and then 
I and had so nowhere you wore to this wear it. To Beyonce, I wore it to Beyonce because I had ordered things they didn't arrive in time, and I was very stressed. And then I remembered I had this, and it worked. I mean, it wasn't as blingy as I wanted it to be, but it was just the concert of a lifetime. I was gonna say, can you tell me your favorite part of the concert? What song or what like what outfit? What was the best? Okay, so Love on Top was probably one of my favorite moments because she basically had the whole crowd at MetLife Stadium, eighty thousand people sing along with her, Ugh. and it was just this moment. But I think it was just the dancers, the outfits. I think she had different outfits even between Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sure if that's a regular thing. It was the one year anniversary of Renaissance when the album came out, so this was a really big concert, and so I think that there were extra outfits, but I don't know. So please tell me if I'm wrong about that. I was going to say what made me think of you because I always think of you and I don't mean to talk about Beyonce forever in this episode, but it kind of, she kind of merits it. Um, Yeah, 100%. But it was the exit because I really think deeply about the exit strategy for crowded events. And it reminded me when we left Windsor Castle, and I don't remember if we ever really talked about it a ton on the podcast after the coronation concert, what a debacle that was. Yeah. It was really stressful and hard to get out of there. And the trains weren't like running that often. And and it was pitch black. So was it really hard to exit? No. The well, this stadium? was the difference. It took forever. It took me like two and a half hours. But everyone was it was <sighs> like the people with the batons, like really directing things. And I just remember us at Windsor Castle. I was thinking about how we were just released onto the grounds and it, there were there was no lighting. It was just really stressful. And somehow I felt like it was because of you. We found our way to the train station. I, we somehow like stumbled down like an embankment that's like a private part of Windsor Castle. It was actually we like really crazy. Frogmore. It was a yeah. really, really <laughs> hectic night. They, no one ever talks about after the concert. That's why I was like, I don't think we really went into that when we got back, but it was a really crazy, weird exit. So that anyways, was a little bit unorganized, actually. I was thinking I was about like, my last concert as I left yeah. Beyonce. Anyways, oh, I just monopolized I'm, that conversation, but I'm it was so a very fun night. for you, but I'm so jealous. Like, so, <laughs> so jealous. I would love to go to Renaissance. If anyone else has tickets. It was really like once in a, I mean, I just felt like it was a moment and she is just, I mean, Beyonce, a talent. I think Oprah went on Sunday night and posted some video and she was just like, her caption really was accurate in how she summed it up. Oh, all her outfits have been just everything on Instagram. You've seen her though? I saw her once. Yeah, I saw her once in concert in Philly at whatever the concert series they do every year. Title puts it on. So it's Jay-Z's concert and it's amazing. It's so she was incredible. I think this was like 2017. It was so good. It was so good. Anyways, we should move on from Beyonce. All right, let's move on. As we sip the TIG cup, we got this wonderful listener email from Rebecca. Compliments first. She says, let me start by saying how much I enjoy your podcast. I begin every Thursday excited for lunchtime so I can take a break and listen to you. I don't know. Something about that just really warmed my heart. I love that we get to spend your lunch date together. She had a reflection, many reflections, on Diana's wedding anniversary. First, her remembrance of it, she was five years old at the time, and, quote, she says, I was still asleep when I heard my dad's voice say my name. I opened my eyes, and he said, do you want to see the princess get married? And she shouted, yes. She goes on. She says, as you can imagine, I was at peak princess fascination age. So this was an amazing treat. It was still dark outside, and I felt very excited that I got to watch the wedding with my parents while my two-year-old sister had to stay in bed. Her main memories that she talks about, I was very fascinated with the girls carrying Diana's train. Who are those girls? Are they princesses? Do they know Diana? How did they get to do that? I was so enthralled. I wanted to be one of them. (laughs) She remembers the dress, of course, but also the flowers, which I don't feel like we've talked enough about, and the horses. 
Her email closes with, I'm also lucky to have parents with a keen interest in the royal family as they were able to identify all of the family members for me. It began a lifelong interest in the British royal family, which has never waned. Oh my gosh, I was going to say, waking your five-year-old up at 5 a.m. is definitely a dedication. I love And a very tuned-in five-year-old. That's impressive. Her parents were royally obsessed. I love it. Do you have any relatives in your life that are as royally obsessed or interested as you? None. I I feel like there aren't really anyone... That which is why I think this sense of community, having you, having royally obsessed the podcast, is so lovely because I really I don't have anyone that's. I think my mom is like kind of interested and like ask questions sometimes. Loved Diana, but no, not really. Do you? Your mom? I think your it's mom, my mom is very loved much. Diana, but I think yeah. it is our level of immersion at this point. We need this community more than anything. <laughs> We need you guys more than yes. me. <laughs> but I love the Diana re- wedding reflections. And thank you so much for this note. Keep yes. them coming. Thank you so much. And now, this week in royal history. All right. Flashing back to August 4th, 1900. Won't you come back 123 years ago with me, Rachel, to the Queen Mum's birthday? Elizabeth Angela Marguerite Bowes Lyon was born August 4th, like I said, 123 years ago in either, and they're not sure where, either Belgrave Mansions in Westminster, London, or in a horse-drawn ambulance, which is really hard wow, to imagine. that seems like that defeats the purpose of an ambulance, but I also understand why it was that right? way. Technology. It's crazy. So Evolution. She, she did pass away March 30th, 2002, at the age of 101, about six weeks after her daughter, Princess Margaret, passed away. She lived for 50 years without her husband as a widow because he died in 1952, we know. So she was married to him for 30 years and 50 years without him. It's actually kind of crazy to be a widow almost twice as long as you were married to someone. It's just absolutely That is crazy. pretty staggering, Roberta. Yeah, wow. Doesn't that really... So she was the first member of the British royal family to reach her centenary, which was in Y2K. The press at the time mentioned her favorite grandson, Prince Charles. We know Charles's closeness to his grandmother. Even Harry wrote about it in his memoir, Spare. And if anyone listened to our last episode in March of this year, we talked about the anniversary of the Queen Mother's death. I referenced this same clip, which we're going to play again. It's when Harry is sitting having a gin martini with his gan-gan. But I just love it so much, I wanted to play it again. So here it is. I wish I could recall specifically what we talked about. I wish I'd asked more questions and jotted down her answers. She'd been the war queen. She'd lived at Buckingham Palace while Hitler's bombs rained from the skies. Nine direct hits on the palace. She'd dined with Churchill, wartime Churchill. She'd once possessed a Churchillian eloquence of her own. She was famous for saying that no matter how bad things got, she'd never, ever leave England. And people loved her for it. I loved her for it. I loved my country. And the idea of declaring you'd never leave struck me as wonderful. She was, of course, infamous for saying other things. She came from a different era, enjoyed being queen in a way that looked unseemly to some. I saw none of that. She was my gangan. She was born three years before the aeroplane was invented, yet still played the bongo drums on her hundredth birthday. Now she took my hand as if I were a knight home from the wars and spoke to me with love and humour. And that night, that magic night, respect. I wish I'd asked about her husband, King George VI, who died young or her brother-in-law, King Edward VIII, whom she'd apparently loathed. He gave up his crown for love. Gangan believed in love, but nothing transcended the crown. 
She also reportedly despised the woman he'd chosen. I wish I'd asked about her distant ancestors in Glam's, home to Macbeth. She'd seen so much, knew so much. There was so much to be learned from her. But I just wasn't mature enough, despite the growth spurt, or brave enough, despite the gin. I did, however, make her laugh. Normally that was Pa's job. He had a knack for finding Gangan's funny bone. He loved her as much as he loved anybody in the world, perhaps more. I recall him glancing over several times and looking pleased that I was getting such good giggles out of his favorite person. His favorite person. I know she, we know this, that she kind of nurtured his love for the dramatic, for Shakespeare, for literature, for art. It seemed like that was really someone that he leaned on more so than his mother and father, who were very busy, of course, and were a little bit more distant when he was a child, it seemed. So I just think that that really, I don't know why that passage always gets me. I know. I really think it's very special and poignant. I, I do also agree with Harry where sometimes you feel like it's lost when you're little with your, you know, older relationships in yeah. your life. Like my great grandparents, you know, lived into their late 90s. But I feel like I barely had a chance to ask them the questions I would obviously ask as an adult now. Yeah. What it tells me is that I need to be better about actually sitting down and talking to some of the older people in my life and learning more about them. I think, you know, you always regret not knowing more about someone and they're gone so fast. So it's just like, I just think about that whenever I hear that. Honorable mention, as we said, Megan shares the birthday with the Queen Mum, August 4th. Also, Princess Beatrice will be 35 on Tuesday, August 8th. So, so many August birthdays. I always think of April as the big birthday month, but actually August into September. Yep. Our birthdays too, coming up. Roros, as we mentioned, Megan turns 42 this week on Friday, August 4th, to be exact. So we thought it was a perfect time to welcome Tariro Mizazewa back to the pod for a bit of a state of the union on the Sussexes. As a reminder, Tariro recently joined us to share her passionate thoughts about the crown. She's a writer and reporter who contributes to outlets ranging from The Cut to The New York Times to Condé Nast Traveler. So many in between. You can also keep up with her work via her newsletter, Tea Time, which for Rachel and I is a must read. Full disclosure, we always want her royal thoughts. Welcome to Riro. Hi, ladies. Thank you for having me back on. I'm so happy to be here. We're so happy to see you. I did want to detour before we talk about the royals because you and I both went to Beyonce this weekend. Is that true? We sure did. <laughs> we absolutely did. <laughs> what are your thoughts? We've kind of turned this episode accidentally into a Beyonce episode, but we just need to talk about it. Oh, I mean, she was incredible. Like, there are just so many things I could say, but really, one of my favorite things was how well and like how seamlessly she put in all the old songs like she opened mm. dangerously in love and I was in tears within two minutes it was just so good and whoever so does good. like her mixing and editing and musical arrangement should be getting every award I thought that was just amazing I just didn't even know where to look like that out the cost like the every bit of her attire the massive screens I was just like captivated by the whole just experience of it all the dancers the music of course it was just I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. <laughs> probably, of course, I would say this, but I feel like the New York crowd, too, is just unmatched. Yes. yes, unmatched. Like, I think that was also such a fun part of the experience was the arrival and departure, just being in the mix of everyone and their just love and passion and attire as well. It was so incredible. I just wanted to ask you really quickly about that because I saw your wonderful pictures. <laughs> 
Let's dive in. I'll I'll kick it off with a little bit of Sussex question. So we were going to ask you how you think Megan is celebrating the big four two, but then we got that video drop yesterday touting their work with the Responsible Technology Youth Power Fund. What was your reaction to that? I was surprised. I feel like we've been getting so many headlines about them, about their friends, just rumor mill. The rumor mill is working. Yeah. And generally, I feel like that actually has nothing to do with them. It's like not actually based in fact, but I figured they would just stay quiet. But I'm assuming this was pre-taped and it had to go yesterday for whatever reason. So it was nice to see them. I feel like I haven't really seen them or maybe I just haven't been following them as closely as I typically do. No, they've been totally MIA. Like we have not. I think that's what Roberta and I have been observing over throughout the summer is that whole thing that Megan and Harry at one point described how they're everywhere, but they're actually nowhere. I mean, we really haven't seen them since their awards show with Gloria Steinem in New York. Oh my gosh, that's so true. Yep. And then, oh, that fiasco after. It was nice to see them and they looked really happy. They look like they're having a great summer. If I could project what I think Megan's birthday party will look like, I mean, she's going to have people over to their beautiful garden. They're going to sit outside. (laughs) The Puckins will be there. (laughs) Yeah. We should get into the royal rumors because you're mentioning that now with the feud with the Beckhams that has been all yeah, over. Yeah, what is that about? The news, like the divorce, the move to Malibu. What What do you make of all this? I okay. I thought I was like fully tapped out of Royals Land. I just felt so overwhelmed by between like the docuseries and Spare and then everything with the coronation. I was just like, yes, I'm rooting for Megan and, ha- and Megan and Harry, but I'm also just kind of tired right now. Yeah, so totally. Really following things. But then I saw these headlines a few days ago and I couldn't look away. I was like, what, yeah. is, what is this? So, well, let's talk about each of them. Yeah. The want to start with the Beckhams or. Sure, yeah. It just feels really like manufactured drama. And if it's happening, fine, people have rifts with their friends all the time. And, you know, it would be unfortunate if that were true, that they're, you know, sharing stories about them with the press. But it's a little difficult to believe because the Beckhams are incredibly famous people who've been through a lot with the tabloids. I don't think they'd want to, you know, subject anyone else to that type of thing. So it it feels manufactured. Yeah, it feels totally manufactured. I agree. Yeah. And it also feels like their absence from any sort of media is like a vacuum in which especially the tabloids need to fill with something and the hate clicking and like the kind of negative news just drives so much like traffic for them. I don't know. That's my theory. That's my well, yeah. Theory. And all the divorce rumors. I mean, I think Roberta and I, we talked about it a little bit on last week's episode, but we've been receiving so many DMs being like, have you seen this de moi, like blind item, things like that. But it just, again, feels like something where there's, you know, people are just trying to create all this drama for headlines, for clicks. Absolutely. And it always feels like <laughs> they can't win, right? If they, yes. I'm, I mean, even yesterday it was suddenly well, they were, they made this announcement about their foundation because they want to show that the narrative in the tabloids isn't true. But if they stay silent, it's, oh, no, they're hiding away because the rumors are true. You know, yeah. that's the space they have to navigate. 
I know. Yeah. I know. I think I was even laughing at this uh, new term that's popping up, the Montecito Mafia. Did you guys see this? It was in the cut, actually. <laughs> but I just was laughing. I mean, it's like her friends are being branded in this particular direction. I think the writer wrote beautifully about it being like, what a what a creative term. But I, but I just feel like it's just nonstop how everyone is talking about it. And, and I believe that Montecito Mafia was a Daily Mail invention. <laughs> as well as Markled and Oh, yes, Exit. Markled. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The, it's so much. All the branding. One thing I wanted to ask you about also this rumor that they might move to Malibu, the Sussexes. Do you think there's any merit there? I mean, it feels like they're pretty set up in Montecito. They seem to really love their home in Montecito. I would be, I mean, and I think a big part of the appeal there was that it was so, they had so much community there, right? Like they've got Oprah right there. They've got Ellen right there. I wish that was my community too. But <laughs> Oh my gosh, don't we all? We can yeah, dream. Like, I mean, I think it was Megan's description of finding that home in Allison's Dav- Allison Davis's piece in The Cut. It really felt like that was their home, but maybe there's like a geographic advantage to being in Malibu or maybe it's more secure. Or maybe they're just ready for a move. I don't know. I know. I was kind of Googling a little too, because Diana, I think if you, you know, a couple of people when she was considering a move to California, you know, it's what you can believe, I guess, based on these random sources that you hear from, but supposedly Malibu was where she was interested in. So that was one thing I was questioning. Mm -hmm. If they did make that move, was there any parallel there? But I still feel like based on that cut piece, they were pretty happy in Montecito and also what we've seen since. I'll play devil's advocate, though. I feel like they've had a lot of issues. There was a recent, like, stalker arrested. They had helicopters circling over. Of course, wherever they live, that's going to happen. But they had to put, I think, some, like, extra fencing up around their property. So it's like anywhere they go, it's just really, really tough. But I can see them wanting to move quietly. Like, I would think if they did move to Malibu, no one would know. Like, it would not make the news. They'd be like, we've been living here for months and no one's known. Just like how it was when they moved out of Tyler Perry's. So I don't know. Yeah, I did like I I did message Roberta yesterday about what with that video for the Youth Power Fund that Megan was wearing a dress by a Malibu designer. And I was like, hmm, is this that old school royal nugget Easter egg. of I don't, Easter egg? But, you know, of course, I'm chasing, chasing rumors, chasing details, inventing things. Well, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what's ahead for them. And, of course, this is just us speculating. We're not sure. I mean, we know that Megan signed with WME. I want to know what you think or what you wish they would do next, Torero. Wow. <laughs> so much. Take I mean, a minute. I f- take a minute. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we can all predict like one thing that we hope to see from them in the coming months. We can talk about also the Invictus Games is coming up. So we will see them in September. Yeah. But yes. We'll just- Megan there too, which is nice. Yes. I would like to see them doing more, like continuing to do more philanthropic stuff, more like behind the scenes things. You know, I thought... I thought like the Netflix and Spotify deals were great, but I also never quite saw them as like content creators or it wasn't clear what exactly they would be producing there. So, and they, you know, they did stuff there obviously, but I would like to see them just kind of putting their names behind big causes. I feel like mm-hmm. that in a way it's a continuation of what they really wanted to do to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's the biggest thing. So like keep Invictus going. Maybe Megan could have more causes that she really cares about and like 
gender and like international development space, I feel like they have the resources to do that and they have the names to bring a lot of awareness there. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I I also I feel like too though they have to sing for their supper. Like they have to do these big deals. They have to make the Netflix and the Spotify level of money. So I just don't know. I think that they should totally pursue all these endeavors with the Archwell Foundation aspect, but the kind of production aspect, I just don't know where that's going to go. Rachel, what do you think? Yeah, I think I was just going to say, I wonder how they resolve. There was a People cover story this week that talks about sort of all the recent turmoil that they've been through, mainly with Spotify and the way that uh, that was spoken about publicly, which I think it's like a case of one side of the story versus the other, of course. But I think that element of how they get the eyeballs without royal tidbits shared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know that Harry's thing, uh, Harry's uh, book deal was three books, right? So, I mean, there's, of course, two more on the horizon. I can't imagine what they would be about. Maybe one is solely focused on Princess Diana. I mean, that would be a bestseller in its own right. So I just think maybe that's on the horizon. There's been rumors of her returning to the TIG, which I would love. I will buy everything that she ever writes I would love about. that. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. I know everything. I will be so broke if the take comes. Out. <laughs> I know one one thing I did also like that I read is that it's not like the Sussexes had a five year plan when they set this off. And I think placing that expectation mm. on them is entirely unreasonable. And I think like many of us, we're feeling our way through all of this post pandemic, too. So I think that they deserve grace that is not ever afforded to them like we've been talking about throughout. And knowing that W. WME was a recent signing. I like the idea that they're planning and that there's going to, I mean, I believe deeply that there's a lot to come and I'm excited for it. I really like that move for them too. And I wonder how much um, signing with WME has played into them having a quiet summer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it keeps people wondering. And I think all these rumors we're seeing are sort of sort of speak to the power of that. It's like they've been gone for a little while. Now people are missing them. People want to know. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, I would love to see Megan bring back the tag or a version of it and maybe give it more video, give it more like hosts, different multimedia elements. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, a yeah. philanthropic aspect to it. Like I think that you could do so much with the chair. It doesn't have to be just like these are the recipes I'm loving or you know, my travel blog. Like it can definitely take on a more charitable aspect to it as well. I think that would be so cool. Tariru, I was going to end with just asking the monarchy in general, what are your expectations? I mean, I feel like post-coronation, it's been a quiet summer for all. So are you looking forward to anything in the fall? What about season six of The Crown? I would love to hear what you're excited about. <laughs> you guys it's coming. Know I mean, I don't know what's happening if it's you gotten have to come delayed, back. but we can't. <laughs> we yeah, you definitely have to come back. Oh, I know I... we don't have a date yet for it to come, but I'm, I'm optimistic it's this year. I just, oh my gosh. I've honestly just been, I can't stop looking at all of the photos that come out. I mean, I guess now it's been a few weeks, but every time I see a photo of anyone from the family, especially lately, I'm just like, I want to know more. Like, what is going on over there? I feel like everyone has been given guidance to just shut it down and not say anything about anything. Everyone's Mm -hmm. going about their business. And in a way, this is kind of what was always wanted, isn't it? Like for everybody to be able, for Meghan and Harry to do their thing in California and for William and Kate and the king and queen 
to do their thing in London and leave it be. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like what I'm looking forward to in the fall. I don't know, to be honest. I just don't know what's on their schedules, like up ahead. I don't know. After the coronation, it does feel like there's just like not a huge, huge event that, that will be the center of attention for a long time. It's honestly like Rachel and I talk about like, the whales is kids getting married (laughs) so far off but like what else is there right we've had all of we've had these recent years of so many things happening right there were just always all these events that people were going to and they were going in groups that type of thing which was fun to see but then we and we had weddings and then we had the jubilee and you know the funeral like we have had so much that now I don't know what to look forward to. <laughs> I know. I know. We're going to have to find out. I'm very excited. And definitely the crown is on our list. <laughs> yes, Hopefully absolutely. that's coming up this fall. Tariro, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a joy to see you. And I, like I said, we hope you come back frequently. Oh yes. my gosh. I hope you guys will have me back. Um, <laughs> after Send my, us like, all your royal thoughts at all times. And everyone subscribe to always, Tea Time. Always. You have an um, open invitation Thank you so much for joining us, Tariro. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. So good to see you. Oh, I love it whenever Tariro can join. What a fantastic conversation. Of course, we didn't want to end without sharing a couple of royal news tidbits. First and foremost, Roberta, Kate and the Great Jewelry Debate. (laughs) I like that. I like that title. Have you been following this with the editor at Vogue, Susie Menkes, and Vogue's jewelry contributing editor? Basically, they had a conversation on Susie's podcast, Creative Conversations, where they kind of, Susie lays a stake in the ground and says that Kate is kind of disappointing when it comes to jewelry. We're going to play the clip from that show. Associated with Queen Elizabeth as a sort of tribute. Well, the Princess of Wales is a bit of a disappointment about jewellery, isn't she? She gives the impression that she only puts it on when she absolutely has to. And I imagine her looking beautiful in one of those dresses or gowns, beautiful figure and walking down and then her sort of pulling a face and saying, do I have to wear this? I mean, I'm making all this up. It's probably ridiculous, but she doesn't give any sense of adoring jewellery and being pleased to put it on. Maybe she is, maybe she's a mother and really doesn't want to spend her time putting these things around her neck, but she certainly doesn't seem to have Camilla's joy at wearing jewellery. Shots fired, Roberta. What do you think? I like that she prefaces it, but she's like, I'm probably making this all up. And it's true. Like, take it with a grain of salt. It is such a, it's a question of taste to me. I feel like whether you like what she wears or not, I can, okay, now that this has been brought up, give me your hot take. I want to break my silence on this because I actually have thought a lot about the BAFTAs and the opera gloves, the black opera gloves with the white dress and those big ass, excuse me, I shouldn't say big ass, big earrings. (laughs) from Zara (laughs) and I think that I might revisit my stance I think it would look a lot better with diamonds and I kind of not the gloves because you liked the gloves oh I love the gloves love the the jewelry okay that those earrings and then I the one other one I wanted to call out actually two more one was earth shot with the neon green dress and the green choker was an interesting combo for me but I think that's mostly because I didn't love the dress so okay fine but then also Royal Ascot this year and those red earrings, there's some that I 
don't love. And that's okay. I don't have to love all the pieces she wears. What about you? Hot yeah, I mean, I think that this entire episode with Vogue's jewelry contributing editor, Carol Woolton, is definitely worth a listen because I think it does give a lot of context to maybe perhaps why Kate makes the choices she does. I know we've always applauded her high-low mm-hmm. mix, like the Zara earrings and choices mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, as a modern princess of Wales, future queen, does she have the same needs that perhaps monarchs of the past or queens of the past, princesses of the past had in relation to jewelry? Because the jewels have gotten more controversial and she's trying to downplay some of that wealth. Mm -hmm. I also think too, like the Telegraph rebuttal of this podcast conversation made a good point of saying that, you know, not only is it that there's a problematic past with a lot of these jewels, but Kate is not going to tons and tons of events every month that require jewels of that caliber. Like you think about the coronation. Yes. You and this think episode about... was about the coronation too. It was a preface yeah, so, to it. But you think about state banquets. How often are those? We don't see those that much. And when she does go to those, she does wear Diana's jewelry. She does wear Queen Elizabeth's jewelry, like the choker at the funeral of Prince Philip. You think about you know, the moments where she does wear a tiara. There are some, but I think, too, we live in a day and age where you aren't. It would be weird if she showed up to an engagement at an elementary school wearing Diana's diamonds. Like, I just don't think that they fit the scene all that much in modern day era. Yeah. And that's what Susie says. Motherhood doesn't really call for jewelry. It's a big discussion in the episode, and I really think everyone should check it out. But I think that, you know, we obviously do know that the the huge size of the royal vault, you know, and what is in there and the scope that she has access to. Of course, we'd love to see more. And I think for jewelry lovers, they want that on display because it's our only opportunity to really see the range of what's in there and the historical significance of it. Also, Susie does give credit where credit is due to Princess Diana, who was just a masterclass in fashion, of course, but also her passion and love of jewelry, how she wore it. Famously, there was that diamond and emerald choker that she wore in Australia in Melbourne in 1985. And she, you know, it's a choker, but she wore it as a headband. So I think that just the inventiveness, the creativity, jewelries was something that people could draw inspiration from on the regular with Diana. Yeah, I think the prime example for me is the BAFTAs where like that is such a fancy occasion and she was so dressed up with those long gloves. Like, let's see a pair of sparkly diamond earrings and not a pair of $10 our earrings. That's my hot take. But on the flip side of that, do we also like that we can then hop on and shop that style from Zara? So she's playing to a different audience. That's true. But that's what the daytime engagements are for. Yes. So yes. like I think that it's great that you can buy Kiki McDonough or wherever jewelry like Cezanne. That's great. But then we want as royal watchers to see those ones that are locked away in the vault or else we're never going to in our lifetime. Yeah. Remind us of the, you know, the slight difference between us mere mortals. <laughs> the slight I the like major the- difference. I like that Lauren Kina from The Court Jeweler was also oh, yes. interviewed for this Telegraph piece. And she said... I actually think because something along the lines of because Kate is now kind of next in line for the throne, she'll be wearing a lot more fancy jewelry. So I hope she's right. Oh, I can't wait. And it's also interesting how much credit they give to Camilla in this episode, too. Yeah. Anyways, a fun conversation. Please email us your take as well. All right. I for my news update, I'm going to just rattle off some of the places that we will see the Royals in the coming weeks and months because it's a little bit quiet, but we are going to see them a lot. And so here is the summer status 
schedule update. Say that five times fast. Summer status schedule update. Beatrice was in Saint-Tropez with Edo post third wedding anniversary, which was July 17th. We saw them pop up in the south of France. How lovely that they got to vacation there. The royals, of course, are in Scotland, like we mentioned last episode. It was reported by the Mail on Sunday that all the grandkids will be joining. Charles and Kim will be staying at Burke Hall, not Balmoral. So that's where they usually stay when they're up in Scotland. And they will probably host the annual Gillies Ball for the staff, which I think you know, we saw that in The Crown a little bit play out last season. Harry will be traveling to Singapore and Japan for polo with his good friend Nacho August 9th through the 12th. That is coming up next week. Also, the Wales' kids start Lambrook again. They start school September 6th, which I feel like blinking you miss it. August it's and right September the are going to be here. I know. I know. Oh. I know. The Sussexes will be in Dusseldorf beginning of September as well. September, it's at middle of September. September 9th to the 16th is when the Invictus Games kick off. Will they bring the kids? That's the big question mark. Harry will celebrate his birthday in Germany, which is huge. Also, there is a report in the German media that Meghan will actually be the kind of orchestrating or the MC of the farewell event that she'll have a big role to play in the last event of Invictus. So that'll be interesting. And then finally, Prince William, of course, will be in New York City, September 18th to the 19th. Rachel, how are we going? We We need to 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 finalize that. Put it on the to-do list. I know. know. Gosh, and that just takes us through mid-September. I'm also loving the Singapore overlap with William obviously heading there for Earthshot at the end of the year. So very fascinating. It is fascinating. Just like, well, November. So he'll, yeah. So Harry's going in August. Yeah. So it's not close, but it is interesting that Singapore, I think, Yeah. Just fascinating. I saw a tweet, actually, a really funny tweet about how the fall is going to fly by. No. I know, but it's funny. I don't like that. It says, August already. September is next week. Time to pick out a Halloween costume. Start your Christmas shopping. Happy New Year. That's how I feel right now, though. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of true. It's just like everything is a blur. And you and I both talk about this all the time. We're psycho planners, kind of. Kind of, yeah. We always book, 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 book. And that's how we fit a lot in. But it does make kind of wish the year away at times. It does. It does. But it's all fun things. It's all really fun things. And a lot to look forward to for the royal on the royal front. It's time for the Royal Highs right, and Lows. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows. My low is just that we will be taking a little bit of a break from the pod at the end of August. The last two weeks of August, we'll be going on some vacations. So Rachel and I are stepping back. There's a little bit of housekeeping. But during those two weeks where we're not in your ears, send us an email about what you are looking forward to the most from the Royals this fall. I just gave you a million suggestions. So please yeah, use you that. You basically just spelled it out for everyone. Yeah. Email us info at gallerypodcast.com. We want to hear what you're looking forward to most. What did we miss on our fall calendar coming up? Tell us. That's what do you want to see from us? Tell us everything. Send us love notes. All right. Milo is just this new dictionary term from the UK press, specifically the Telegraph, Markled. Mm. This was coined by them in an article that I read last week. This was about, you know, we talked about it, but the David and Victoria rumors about whatever's going on with the Beckhams. But Markled, according to the Telegraph, they spell out the definition, means nixed, ghosted, frozen out, or excised with the surgical precision the former actress is infamous for. Ouch. I just feel like the misogyny continues because then they go on and say that it was a joint action from Harry and Meghan. So why? Which, again, this is still a rumor. The Beckham stuff is a rumor, very much so. But I'm just like, 
why? Who is in these brainstorm meetings thinking of these terms? Is this just a writer? I I don't know. I was disappointed. Megdit, Markold, what's next? Ugh. Well, my high this week is new, never-before-seen photos of Queen Elizabeth II and Prince Philip at Balmoral Castle. If you click that link, the downside of my high is they're in the Daily Mail. But the photos are very interesting in that they're so casual. They're at dinner. Philip has been holding, is pictured holding two whiskey bottles. The queen has like a cup of coffee. There's wine. There's a candlelit dinner. It's all just fascinating to me when they're in their casual, most casual settings. Yeah, the casual settings look plucked from our own family albums a little bit, right? A little bit, (laughs) but they're also a little bit creepy. It's like the lighting is kind of scary. Yeah, the candles, it's a little little intense. But I do love it. I do love seeing never before seen photos. That's why it's my high. What's yours? Mine was just this kind of delightful happy anniversary message that Mike Tyndall graced us all with that was he used AI to toast to his lovely wife, Zara, 12 years of marriage. Reimagine the two of them as Barbie and Ken, or should I say Zarby and Ten? That's how he hashtagged it. Of course, Mike gave himself a full head of Ken-worthy hair. I just, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious and also just confirmation that the royals love Barbie just like us. So, so good. I loved seeing this on Instagram. Mike is one of the best follows for sure. All right. Just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal rating. We love our five-star reviews. This one is from Dr. Grable, maybe Dr. Grable. Great hostesses. They said, I enjoy the two hostesses very much. I've been royally obsessed for many years. I spent my hospital stay with my first baby reading a biography of Queen Victoria. Well-produced and fun. I enjoy the cocktail and fashion tips. I also truly enjoy the honor guests. I look forward to it every week. We have so many great guests coming up. So many. I know that break at the end of August, it's kind of coming up fast. But between now and then, trust me, you will want to tune in for the next few weeks. Set a calendar reminder. Yes. Remember, email us info at gallerypodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Until next week. God God save save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.